0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing one in a series of five Beef Watch webinars held during the month of March, focused on drought mitigation and management. Today's topic comes from the March 16th webinar titled "Pre, During, and Post Drought Management of Rangelands," and I'm joined today by the presenter, Dr. Mitch Stevenson who's an extension range and forage management specialist based at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. Thanks, Aaron, it's good to be here. Well, Dr. Stevenson, I really appreciated your presentation thinking about the upcoming grazing season, thinking about some of the experiences we had last year with some dry conditions, especially in the Western half of the state and the potential impact of that as we think about this year. give us some perspective as you look at the year upcoming in terms of the grazing season, Obviously, over the last month or so, we've had some pretty good precipitation across much of the state. That's relieved some of the drought pressure I think many folks were feeling initially. But as we look at the long-term forecast, still above normal temperatures and below normal precip as we look to the months of April, May, and June, that could present some challenges for us as we think about range and pasture management.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, last year was 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 kind of an interesting year for a lot of the rangelands in in western and central Nebraska. In, in the like the north central part of the state was actually had pretty good rain, um, and there was like a pocket up up in the eastern northeastern sandhills had pretty good rain. Uh, but but here in the Panhandle, you know, we, we were pretty dry, and a lot of the a lot of the western sandhills were dry as well. And so uh, so yeah, I mean, it definitely it's concerning when we see these drought like events. Uh, of the previous year, especially in those key months. Uh, so, so in more cool season grass dominated, that'd be like your May and your June months um, in, in areas where more warm season grasses that would go into June and July more. So, yeah, it really, really is concerning going into this growing season if we don't see that key window of precipitation uh, during that critical growth period. We could see reduced uh, forage biomass and, uh, and really need to think about our drought management plans that we put out there. You know, one of the one of the things that we, we pretty consistently see is it's often a cumulative effect. And so, so we have records in the Sandhills that go back a little over 20 years now that, that have, uh, where we've actually clipped that forage production and the lowest years that we have, uh, are the years that had a dry year preceding and then a drought going into the current year. The one that was the lowest forage production was that 2001, 2002 years where 2001 was fairly dry. And then 2002 was a really dry year. And, uh, and we had a, only about 46% of our average forage that year. Uh, and this was in the central Sandhills uh, where we've collected this data. And so, uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's always something to think about if you had a drought last year, uh, if, if, if we continue to that drought continues during those key growth periods this year, uh, that's gonna be a cumulative effect and probably have even lower forage production.
0: We just think about the health and plant vigor of rangeland plants, obviously during dry conditions, uh, they're not growing as much, the root depth is not as deep as it would be if you had adequate precipitation. So with that in mind, even if we had average precip as we go into the spring, is it reasonable to expect we could see reduced forage production on pasture and rangeland that were pretty dry last year? Yeah, it
1: definitely could be. Our uh, our grasses here are resilient. You know, they're they're uh, they've they've evolved with with dry periods, uh, and so so they are resilient to it. But but absolutely, you know, what we've seen is is that uh, following a drought, it oftentimes takes takes a few years of recovery to get back where we were pre-drought. And so I think of 2012. Um, 2012, it was a single year drought for the data that we have in the central Sandhills, where 2011 was pretty average, maybe a little bit above average. 2012 was one of the driest years we've had in the last century uh, in terms of uh, the amount of precipitation during those key growth periods. And then 2013, again, was pretty close to average. But we did see that it took a while for those perennial grasses to fully recover from that 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 really dry period in 2012. So so absolutely if you if you had just tremendous drought last year and didn't get a lot of rain and those grasses were stressed and oftentimes during drought because we have less forage oftentimes we sometimes graze a little bit heavier too if we're not able to get cattle off soon enough uh, we miscalculated a little bit so so there's a there's a risk that it was grazed kind of heavy as well as stressed by the drought so it's it's important to think about that as you make your drought plans coming into the following year how, how can we manage that considering uh, that, that it may already be stressed and may need some recovery?
0: Dr. Stevenson, thinking about grazing plans for the upcoming season, obviously we still have time ahead of us. We hope the forecast is wrong and that we do get good precip in April, May, June. Walk through with us kind of some thought processes to give some consideration to as we think about precipitation, trigger dates, how that drives forage production, and What are some things producers might want to think through as they evaluate when to implement a drought plan, how to destock and think about those things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing would be to kind of know your plant community, I think. And so precipitation is gonna have a different effect on, on different plant groups. And so here in Nebraska, we have both cool and warm season grasses. You know, in the sand hills, it's more in line that it's more warm season dominated. Somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 40 to 60 percent warm season grass production by weight. Uh, and then then cool season grasses are probably down around that 20 to 30 percent of by weight of the total production. Uh, you know, as we get farther here in the West, it's probably a lot of areas anyways. It's more cool season dominated. So the windows of precipitation are, are gonna be important. And earlier precipitation is gonna have a, a stronger effect on those cool season grasses. Uh, later summer precipitation is important for the warm season grasses. So I think that that's pretty important. You know, in the Sandhills, we've done quite a bit of work looking at the, the times when precipitation is most important for that that biomass production and so what we try to do is model that so that we can see see when when that precipitation comes how that has an effect and one of the things that we've looked at is is number of precipitation events over a tenth of an inch so relatively small precipitation events uh, but it gives a, a estimate of some of the frequency of how how, how many how many events are coming during critical growth periods so so in the sand hills that's May June and July are the most critical or they model the best with total plant production. And, uh, and so basically what, what we found is that there's a fairly strong relationship between the number of precipitation events over a tenth of an inch and the, the total plant production at the end of the growing season. And it, it equates something to the neighborhood of about 80 to 90 pounds per acre for every tenth of an inch precipitation event. So really, I think tracking your precipitation. I know a lot of producers do. A lot of producers have rain gauges out there, and they a lot, and some of them have some really long records, uh, which which are really cool to look at. But but I think just understanding things like your number of precipitation events, but but even just total precipitation, you can look at total precipitation, and that models very well uh, to, to that that total production as well. But, uh, but that May, June, July period is going to be important if you're a warm season dominated plant community. So there, there are some tools if you don't have long term records. Uh, there, there are a few different uh, programs. You know, there, there's obviously the drought monitor uh, can, can show you whether you're coming into a drought or where you're at in terms of the average. There's a few programs one's uh the high plains regional climate center uh and and it it has a number of of long-term precipitation uh records a lot of them that are like town airports. Uh, I use the one here in Scotts Bluff quite a bit, uh, but it's a map that you can put in your, your location and a download a long uh, history of precipitation records. With that, it helps you kind of give a baseline. So you can kind of see, okay, what should I be expecting for May, June, and July? And that way, if we get to, if, let's say we get through May, we're well below, uh, then we know that it may be kind of hard based on the averages for June and July to make up that difference. Um, And so we can start making some plans based just on precipitation, because we know it models so well with our forest production. I think looking back at some of these tools can really help us. Um, And and just even looking at the the precipitation, where we're at, what we think we'll likely get in June and July, later on, can help us set up some of these trigger points. And so so throughout the early growing seasons, as we kind of talked about this before, but I like to look early on, like right now here in early April, uh, look back and say, okay, how was last year? Do I need to make some adjustments based on what the conditions were last year? Then we can kind of look forward and start setting those trigger points to where you start putting in actions. Um, So so usually start again in the first part of May and then every about two weeks throughout the growing season, I like to to add in a trigger point as to something that I'm going to do or something that I'm at least going to look at and see. say, okay, where are we at with precipitation? uh where are we at with the plant community how does it look uh and then if i need to start putting in some of these plans and I, I know others have talked about uh on on some of these podcasts that have different drought plans and you know that's everything from from having having uh opportunities to feed cattle to to uh, stockpiling pasture uh to to selling cattles and weaning early i mean there's a there's a number of them but having having key dates that you put in there that that's where i'm going to make this decision can really help with that drought plan.
0: Dr. Stevenson, in the webinar, you also shared around a tool called GrassCast. Tell us a little more about that and where producers can go to find more out about it.
1: Yeah, so, so GrassCast is a, is a program developed. It was actually used, some of this data that we have uh, collected here in the, the Sandhills to, to refine some of the models. But what they do is they use satellite imagery that goes over about every two weeks and takes a reference, it's a it's essentially it's a greenness index. And so they that that correlates with the biomass production as well. And so they they take that greenness index, they take records and climate predictions going into the growing season, and they try to make an estimate as to what the predicted net primary production, so that's the the total current year growth that's gonna happen on that landscape, and they give a, re- a reference in terms of whether it's above or below normal. And they have this for the entire Great Plains. It's at, it's at a, a county, county-based county level, a sub-county-based level, I guess. And they basically say, they try to predict whether it's going to be above or below normal. Now, now these are models, and models aren't always 100% perfect. But what we've seen is it's done a pretty good job of predicting how the plant community responds to the drought conditions. And it gets better as the summer goes along. So they usually start in early May and start giving these predictions. And they base it on whether it's going to be an average year, it's gonna be a wet year, it's gonna be a dry year. And so you could kind of make some assumptions based on that, based on what you're seeing and the current level of precipitation as to where you're going to be in terms of forage production at the end the year. So so, I think it's just a phenomenal tool, and the science behind it is cutting edge and I think really fascinating that, that we've come to a, a day where we can use these satellite images and, uh, and uh, to help us in our management of our landscapes over large regional scales. So it's pretty fascinating uh, the type of technology that we're able to use now.
0: Dr. Stevenson, anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight or Tools that producers should think about as we think about the upcoming grazing season.
1: I, I think just understanding the plant community is 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 so important. You know, understanding what type of of uh, of grasses you have out there and how they respond to different periods of precipitation. And I think if you have a pretty good grasp of that, then you can really start making those drought management plans really specific to your ranch. I mean, every, every ranch is a little bit different. And so, so oftentimes we give uh, kind of general thoughts and ideas. Uh, but, but with every situation, uh, the more information that you know, the better able you're able to really fit that, that drought management plan to your place to help, one, uh, maintain that resilience in your landscape. So you're not just overgrazing during those dry periods, which is really critical, but you're also limiting uh, from an economic standpoint, the negative effects that droughts can have. And so uh, use every tool in your toolbox. And, um, and I think there's a lot of benefits to that. I will just bring up another program really quick called the Rangeland Analysis Platform. This is another satellite based, based uh, program. It can be found at rangelands.app you can look at this program and it goes back because we have satellite records since 1986. And so you can go back in time and look at changes in cover on a landscape. So things like bare ground, or things like uh, uh, annual grass cover. And then you can also, they, they recently just added uh, biomass to that as well. So they use models that again, use this satellite imagery that it's correlated with biomass production. And so they've just added that to the program where you can actually see across a pretty spatially explicit landscape. So you can zoom in right on your ranch or an individual pasture. And look at it and can download data that would, would tell you estimated biomass over time on that pasture. So, again, another tool uh, that's based off of these satellite imagery modeling that can give you some ideas on,
0: on your biomass production. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. The presentation that Dr. Stevenson made on March 16th is archived there and is available for viewing.